0: Hello everyone, my name is Moyatu Banyakista, and welcome to another episode of Tea and Pepper Soup, the podcast. Today I'll be speaking about self-care wellness and the importance it has on yourself, on your career, or on your business. I'll talk about my experience with therapy and wellness as a whole and how it has saved my business so many times. You see, many times when we think of the word therapy or we think of the word counseling, we have this notion in our minds that something has to be wrong with you to seek a professional help um, for your mental health, whether, you know, it includes medications or other things. Mental health is so important. And I think we underrate this a lot, um, particularly in the African community. There's a lot of stigma around people getting support for their mental health. There's a lot of misconceptions of what it actually means to go to see a therapist or to go to see a counselor. And one of the things I always say is the same way you have a headache or you need to go get checked for something or you need to just go to a doctor for any bodily ailment that you may have is the same way we should continuously see therapy. I always call it, it's a brain spa for me and it has been over several years. So I want to talk about some experiences of what led me to therapy and kind of where I am right now when it relates to therapy and as it relates to wellness. So it all started when I went to college. I went to college in New Jersey. Um, I went to an all women's college that was part of a larger um, institution and Whilst I was in college, I realized that I was having a lot of trouble dealing with stress to the point where I dealt with stress when it came to mostly relationships, Um, not just love relationships, but just regular friendships. I would be triggered by things and then shut down completely from people. And I started to realize that there may be something that is a pattern here that I need to pay closer attention to. So I confided in um, a faculty member who I was really close to at the time about what had been happening to me, how I would lose my temper really quickly or I'd be depressed really quickly about around certain seasons, et cetera. And she recommended, you know, why don't you try and go see a therapist, a counselor at the psychological center? And we had a health services center at the university. And that's how I started therapy. I also think my experiences during um, the war in Sierra Leone, which had happened like 10 plus years before I got to college, really impacted the way I saw myself in the world and also triggered certain things in me that I had no idea about. So I walked into basically a counselor's office for the very first time when I was in college. I was probably about 18. And I remember how... After my first session with this first counselor, how disarmed I felt, how validated I felt because I had this space where I can basically talk about anything, any secret, anything without any judgment. So therapy was, my introduction to therapy was a really positive one. And I like to say this because not everybody has that experience, but this has been my experience and I have had some not so good ones, which I'll talk about. So I sit in on this first therapy session and basically in my first intake, the counselor asks me all these questions. It's your very first time that the therapist gets to know if this is the right kind of client for them or they need to be thinking of other people. So I remember sitting in and just talking about my whole life and where I was and the stresses I'd been going through and just this chronic stress that I had been dealing with for a really long time that I had no idea, but was slowly catching up to me in different ways. And so... That session, and I think I had that therapist for about a year, and I remember how much better I would feel when I would leave therapy after having a whole crying session, or after coming in really angry about something and having somewhere where I could unpack it. And that was when I realized the importance of having a safe space to really share some of the things that really stress us out in life, or cause us anxiety, or cause us to be depressed and things like that. Now, my junior year, I think that was my sophomore year, my junior year, the therapist transitioned out of the university because she had graduated with her i d um these were mass um graduate students who were leading therapy most of the time in undergrad and I got another therapist this time was a terrible experience. I walked in and immediately did everything a therapist shouldn't do um she basically made faces at some of the stories I would share she um had commentary and most of them were negative. Oh my goodness, that's awful, you know, things like that. That is a no zone for therapy. And immediately at that time I knew nothing about clinical um work, um, which I later ended up studying some of in in grad school, but I knew nothing about it at that time, but I still knew something was wrong. So I felt so traumatized and shut down in the second round of my therapy experience that I didn't go to therapy again while I was in college. Now in college, I lost my father in my final year in my last semester of college. I'm going to paint the picture. So basically I'm almost about to finish. My father had gotten sick, recovered, and then basically got sick again. And unfortunately, um, was unconscious for a really long time. Um, he suffered a stroke and whilst my father was kind of you know, unconscious, but we were still hoping for the best for him to kind of be able to speak again and things like that. I was in college dealing with kind of the stress of being away from home, but also kind of trying to do the best in my last year, in addition to several other factors of kind of, you know, being an immigrant in this country and, you know, not necessarily having, you know, school um, support for any type of school loans or scholarships until probably my Senior year. Um, so finally I lost my father the last semester, and I basically don't mourn. What I end up doing is I end up getting the highest GPA of my entire undergraduate career. I think it was like a 4.5, and I just put all my pain into my school. So I didn't mourn. So I graduated from college and I worked for about a year and a half, and then the second year I enter into graduate school. I'm just setting the stage. Then I entered into graduate school and, of course, I went to my father's funeral. I cried there. I I had a lot of crying moments. I broke down a lot of times, but I didn't go through the grieving process the way I probably should have. Now, I started my first semester in grad school and I'm leaving um, one of my classes one night and I ended up getting a really good grade in my, my first paper for that class. I think it was one of my favorite classes. And I remember taking my phone out two years later after my father passed and taking my phone out and wanting to give my father a call to tell him about this successful endeavor. And that's when I realized that I had not mourned my father's death. It was almost like I felt like my father was still alive and my brain somehow tucked tucked the trauma away somewhere and never revisited it again. Now, this is important to note because I believe that was probably the same way I dealt with my experience in the war was. And that's how human beings be, uh behave, right? It's a survival mechanism. You tuck away your tra- traumatic experiences and you kind of don't deal with them. So I remember very well saying, you know what? I need help. And I think one of the biggest things for us as women black women, African women, sometimes it's very hard for us to say, I need help. And having a good wellness, um, mental health wellness starts with you being able to say, you know what, I need help. I can't do this alone. I need a community of people who can really support me through what I'm dealing with. So I remember going home that night and I broke down crying. I broke down crying. I was also at that time going through a really tumultuous relationship that wasn't beneficial for me in any way, shape or form. And so the next day I went to my health services and checked in to see a therapist. Take advantage, for those of you who are in university or if you're in grad school, take advantage of the time that you're there and see a therapist. I don't care if you think your life is the best thing since sliced bread. Everybody needs to sit on somebody's couch. That's what I always tell everybody. Everybody has some type of unresolved trauma that we haven't dealt with. And therapy helps us with that. Even if you're not there forever and ever and ever, at some point in your life, try to go and see somebody. So basically, I start seeing a therapist. I get referred out, um, basically, because at some point, sometimes the insurance... Um, and and they have to bring in other students. So they triage you to a different, um, usually a different therapist outside of the school's network. So I got connected with a therapist and basically was with her for three years. Right? I went in for my father's loss, but I ended up getting so much more out of therapy. You know, so that situation really, really was a turning point in my life because while I was in therapy, I was able to really benefit from a lot of things. And I think sometimes as students of color within universities or undergrad or even younger, sometimes we don't ask for help because we feel like I got this. I don't need help. You know, why do I need to go somewhere and tell people my problems? A complete stranger. That's exactly why we need to tell a complete stranger our problems and what we're going through because as much as our culture as, as a Sierra Leone and American, our culture doesn't really like that. You know, we you know our we like to keep things within our community, right? And for lack of, of better translation, you know, speaking one of our dialects, Creole, we like for keeping the inside we os, you know, which means keep your business in your home. So to go outside of your home is very anti culture. But When you're trying to take care of yourself and when you're trying to grow and when you're trying to do well for who you are, you constantly have to go against the grain of what has been taught to you. And that's what therapy really is about. It helps you to unravel everything that has been taught to you as how you as an individual should function in this world. And it helps you rebuild and recreate your own way of how you should be functioning in this world. Okay. So I want to talk about some of the benefits I then received from therapy and how therapy has really changed my perspective on life, my perspective on business, my perspective on relationships. So the first thing is therapy really helped me to see the things and the patterns in my life that were causing me pain. Um, They were causing me to make similar mistakes over and over again. And that was one of the things I really understood in therapy, you know, there were certain ways I would deal with relationships over and over again. One example is, you know, when people would hurt me in the past, I would just cut them off. I wouldn't communicate. I wouldn't tell them that, hey, this hurts. Stop doing it. I would just cut you off. I would just ghost on you. And that's not really a healthy way of dealing with your emotions. And therapy helped me to unpack that. And the second thing was therapy really helped me to take the blame off others and look at how I can manage the expectations of my own life. I remember one particular therapeutic session and I kept saying, and they're the reason why, and it's their fault and it's their fault. And I remember my therapist being really quiet, allowing me to express myself and blame everybody else for what was I was going through. And then she said to me, I to think about how long we've been doing this work. I think by that time we were like six to eight months in and I was saying to her, I don't even know if this is working. Like this is frustrating. And she's like, think about how long it's taken us to get to know each other and to, for me to understand like what's happening with you and for you to unpack some of the things that are going on in your life and from your past experiences. She says, now think, think of you taking this time to change it. Now think of trying to do that to somebody else. And that was a big light bulb moment for me because What that moment taught me was I'm not here to change anyone. I'm just here to communicate to people how to better treat me. And I'm here to understand myself more so I can make that communication clearly. Right. The other thing therapy taught me was how to identify my coping mechanisms. What do I mean by coping mechanisms? Coping mechanisms are things that you use when you are in a crisis what do I mean by a crisis? Whether somebody hurts you and you are depressed, whether you go through a, something that causes anxiety to you and you get an anxiety attack, whether there's so many things that cause crises in our lives, whether you experience some type of a loss, right? So it's like, how? what type of tools do I have that I've already been using but need to be more consistent about that can really help me deal with certain things? So that's when I realized, for instance, If there's any type of a tragic experience in my life, again, God forbid, therapy is one of my coping mechanisms or whenever I feel like I need to revisit kind of how I'm dealing with things in life or when I'm going through transitions, those are some of the the triggers for me. So now I know, okay, for instance, if I'm going through a transition and I get really stressed out. I know the type of friends that I need to call to help me pray through it, you know, to talk me through it, to just listen to me um, in different ways. So that's one of the things I really learned from therapy are my coping mechanisms. Um, The other thing I learned in therapy was how to forgive myself and really spending time with thinking of the pain and the hurt I've caused myself over the years and how not to be hard on myself. And I learned that in therapy because I think sometimes we f- we spend so much time blaming ourselves as well. And that has a huge toll on our emotional well being. right? Life happens, situations happen, but how do we make sure that we're being kind to ourselves? You know, sometimes we express more empathy to others than we do to ourselves. And therapy really helped me to be more loving to myself therapy also taught me to communicate my emotions better before I went into therapy as I said people will hurt me and I would just cut them off um, but now I'm able to say hey I didn't appreciate you doing x y and z and this really came through specific exercises I would do inside of therapy with my therapist you know or like real life situations that were happening at the time that I needed to talk about and then we would talk through you know, how I dealt with it versus how maybe I could revisit the situation. So I'm sharing all of these because these things have really helped me in business as well and in my career because I've learned how to say no to toxic relationships. I've learned how to say no to toxic partnerships. Um, I've learned how to walk away from things when I feel like I'm being exploited. And therapy has really taught me how to see my strengths And to see my value as a human being. And so, you know, that really has helped me with everything. It's helped my communication skills in business. It's helped my relationship building. It's helped my team building with my um, team members that I work with across my various teams. It's helped me... Um, help others think of their strengths, you know, and we all know that when you're running a business or when you're running an organization or even at the workplace, it's really important to be able to really, especially when you're a leader in any of those roles, it's important to be able to really give ownership to your team. And from working on myself, I'm able to now kind of help others um, kind of work through the various things that they need to work through when it comes to the work. Right, that we that we work on together. Um, therapy also made me realize what I needed. Um, and at different times in my life, what I need and being able to communicate those needs, whether it's to myself, whether it's to family members, and being able or whether it's to coworkers, whether it's to supervisors, being able to say, Listen, this is what's going on right now and here's what I need. I need time. Or here's what I need. I need you to talk to me about what's happening now, or here's what I need. I need to you know, take a little vacation and just like switch off a bit. Here's what I need. I can't attend this team meeting because I'm having a, like a down day. I'm stressed out. I need some time. So being able to communicate that and not feel stigmatized. I remember living in Ghana and I remember the first time we were told at the organization I was working with that we had insurance. Insurance had been given to all the 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 workers and I said, Oh, okay. I said, is mental health like counseling included in this package? And one of the high-level officials in the organization basically laughed. And I realized, my goodness, here is a country that is relatively on the west coast of Africa, a bit more structured in some ways and advanced in some ways compared to some of its neighbors. But still yet... People who you would think are very kind of advanced and quote unquote exposed still don't embrace this aspect of therapy. But because I knew what I needed and who I am and what I wanted, I didn't feel shamed. I didn't feel stigmatized. I looked at her like, okay, you might think it's funny, but actually it's a lot of black women out here like really struggling because women like you are not allowing the spaces for us to thrive and not creating the space for us to talk about our mental health wellness because that directly correlates to the workplace. And at the time, I was going through so many challenges at that particular workplace that it would have been good to have a therapist because I needed a space. Being away from home and being in a workplace that wasn't the most supportive at times, it would have been good to have a therapist that I can go and sit with. I mean, I later on found a therapist that I at least I went on one session with. But being in therapy when you're in a different country or when you're in a different space can be very difficult because it's like you have to start the system all over again, you know? So I wanna share a bit of some of my kind of experiences of, you know, what I've learned from that. You know, I remember when I left, when I finally moved from New York, my therapist actually helped me a lot in my transition. I was really nervous and I was scared of how my mom would take my transitioning to Africa because, you know, it was a big move, you know, and here I was, I had this great opportunity. I talked about it, um, in my, in my previous podcast, for those of you who haven't gotten an opportunity to listen to my, um, podcast on hard work. Um, you know, I struggled a lot mentally because I had to now communicate to my family members why this was important to me. And my therapeutic sessions helped me so much with that, you know. And when you're in an environment where you're privileged, and I always say this, the U.S., we're really privileged in many ways with mental health resources. You know, granted, there's still stigma here um, in the U.S., but at least in a city like New York, and in, in larger cities, you have more access to such resources. And being with in therapy, I mean, leading up to my move to Ghana, I was seeing my therapist up until my move, you know, up until my transition. And that really helped me to have a soft landing with my move. It helped me to have the conversation with my family that I was moving to Ghana and taking this amazing opportunity. So you know, therapy has really, really helped me in some really transitional and pivotal moments of my life. And what I've seen is that usually therapy has been beneficial when I'm going through transitions. And I know this probably sparks a chord for a lot of you because transitions could be really difficult, right? You go into this routine, you have this kind of comfort space that you're in and then all of a sudden something amazing happens or not so amazing. Sometimes transition is not necessarily always amazing and you have to make a shift and you have to make a pivot and then it's like you think you got it until you're in the transition and all of a sudden you're feeling stressed and all of a sudden you're feeling anxious and all of a sudden you're feeling depressed and all of a sudden all the things that are happening because of you know just the lack of support or the lack of recognizing what you need happens you know and so I've learned over the years the importance of therapy you know at the moment I think for the last five six years I haven't seen a therapist when I came back Um, from Ghana when I moved back to the US, I hadn't, I couldn't find a good therapist, um, in the region that I lived and, um, and a decently affordable one, right? So I had to think, okay, what could I do, um, to still support my mental health and my wellness to make sure that I am well, you know? And so it took a lot of me thinking through how to really build a supportive therapeutic atmosphere for myself. And I want to share some of that because that has helped me. It's not necessarily perfect, um, but it has helped me. So I want to share. The first thing I do want to share is for those of you who may be still thinking of, Hey, maybe I need to think of therapy. Maybe I need to look for therapists. I wanted to share some tidbits on that. So. And then I'll share also for those of you who maybe live in areas, you know, some of my listeners who live on the African continent where certain parts, some countries don't even have therapists or maybe some people don't feel comfortable going to a therapist because their countries are so small. I know for a fact that in Sierra Leone, there really isn't a mental health kind of community. I mean, slowly but surely there's, you know, now and then a couple of, you know, counselors who now exist. But some people also fear for confidentiality, um, you know, in other parts of, of West Africa. I have friends who talk to me a lot about this um, and have reached out for resources. And I've actually referred a lot of my friends and family members over the course of the last 10 years to therapy because I've been able to speak about my experiences boldly um, and being very transparent. So. The first thing is when you're looking for a therapist, it's best to go through, if you have insurance, go through your insurance. This is more so for my American audience, the British. Go through your insurance. Find out if your insurance supports mental health and then look for the various providers that you can call. And even when you're calling providers, you want to make sure that you, if you have any friends in your network who have any you know, profession, you know, professional friends who are therapists, you may just want to ask them to give you recommendations for potentially what type of therapist you should be looking for. But a lot of times if you go through your insurance, you can look up providers and, you know, usually they're, they operate in group in private practice groups or within hospitals or within institutions. You can actually go on most of the time on the websites and see what type of things that they practice. They'll tell you, okay, I work, I focus on PTSD. I focus on bipolar disorder. I focus on schizophrenia. I focus on, you know, everything, postpartum depression. So it just really depends on what it is that you're looking for. But most of the time, the doctors will list the things that, you know, they actually work on. So that's the first thing. Also, one of the things I I find really beneficial are institutes. When I went to therapy years ago, I went to a psychoanalytic institute. Psychoanalytic institutes are really good because they go by a sliding scale fee, which basically means that they go by how much you make versus insurance so sometimes they have that option. So if you're, you know, if you're a student or things like that, you can potentially pay something really less as low as $15 to as, you know, therapy can range anyway from as low as 15 all the way up to about $250 based on out-of-pocket versus insurance expenses. Um, but so that's a bit of what I wanted to share in regards to that. Um... And now, if you're in a region, let's say, where you don't have insurance, you don't have the, the resources to see a therapist, there are some suggestions that you can, um, create to, you can do to create a therapeutic environment and still keep well. Things that I've been doing as well. Um, I'll give you a quick story. Um, when I started a, a recent, about two years ago, I started a recent, um, employment opportunity, and I was just really anxious and nervous. This was something that was still up my alley of my profession, but I was still nervous. I was teaching undergraduate, and then I got a graduate level teaching position, and I was just really nervous. And I remember every single time before I would go to class to teach my students at the earlier onset, I would get these crazy panic attacks. And this wasn't the first time these things had showed up, basically where You get a shortness of breath, your heart tightens up, and you feel like you're literally about to die. And because I've been in the clinical field, I went my first year of graduate school at Columbia School of Social Work, um, was heavily focused on clinical. And I love clinical. um, I recognized immediately what was happening. So I started to talk to myself to calm myself down. Um, so I didn't experience a panic attack, basically. Now, this isn't necessarily like something I'm telling you to do, but usually when you're having a panic attack, you can calm down, um, and depending on the gravity, relatively be able to kind of navigate it as it's happening. Um, let's say you're in a region where you don't have insurance, or you are in somewhere where you do, have, there is access to insurance, but you don't have financial resources. Now, what I'm going to suggest is, of course, not anything evidence-based. It's just based on my experience. So these are kind of my self-care check-in tips. The first thing is create an environment of people, a community of people who speak wellness language. What do I mean by that? I have a lot of friends who believe in therapy. I have a lot of family members who understand therapy and some who don't. So I speak to the people who do understand it and who value it. So even when I'm not in therapy, when I'm having a crisis or when I'm just going through life and life is hitting me, I can call those people up and be like, yo, I just had a really bad week, you know, and being able to talk through it and just having that is always helpful. You know, I have a sister who I always, she'll call me, alcohol and just say, yo, I'm just like feeling some type of way. And then she'll be like, well, how are you dealing with it? What are some things that you're doing to kind of work through it, right? So just having a sister or a bunch of sisters that you can rely on and talk to is always really helpful. So build that community. Um, think of outlets, things that you can do consistently for your mental health, right? Do you enjoy, like, baking? Do you enjoy knitting? Do you enjoy taking walks? Think of things and build those things into your schedule. You know, um, I call, I have this, um, thing on Women Change Africa that we call Self Care Check-In. Self Care Check-In is basically a community that we've created as part of Wellness for Women Entrepreneurs in Women Change Africa, um, my media brand where we talk about mental health, what challenges are we experiencing, what frustrations are we experiencing around mental health, and how to really support each other. And so, you know, one of the things I think is really important with mental health is to think through, you know, how can I take care of myself? I think as Black women, um, as African women, we sometimes always put ourselves at the end of the sheet of everything, and we we never ask for help. We until things get really bad. Sometimes, at least for myself, and I don't I don't mean to generalize. Sometimes I can be actually going through the motions of anxiety or the motions of a potential panic attack and not recognize it. One of the things therapy really has helped me to do. Is to take a step back, you know, but there's times when it doesn't always pan out. And this is something I want to say is that self-care and wellness is really a journey. I know that we are kind of in this day and age where it's been thrown around everywhere. But the general idea of self-care is to be able to be proactive in how you take care of yourself and how you teach people to take care of you as well. You know, we're not always going to have it together all the time. And I think recently I saw like a self-care challenge or something on, on a couple of platforms that I follow and I immediately got anxious. I got a lot of anxiety because for me, I can't have my self-care so prescriptive because it's part of my life. It's part of my everyday life. So it's a matter of, okay, what are the routines that I have in mind that are important for me? For me, a second thing is my prayer life. Praying and having God at the center of everything that I do is important for me. I'm not saying, you know, substituting, you know, this is with more kind of severe cases of mental health. Of course, sometimes people need um, medication and things like that. So I'm not necessarily saying substitute that completely with prayer. No, right. There's times when you have to take care of yourself beyond kind of, you know, counseling. You know, there's some medical conditions, mental health conditions where you need beyond counseling, where you actually need medication, just like everything else, right? Um, And so, but for me, I found prayer really impactful because it's the one place I can go in quiet and speak to God about what's happening. And that in turn helps me become more mellow and deal with anxiety and deal with stress, right? Because one of the things the Bible talks a lot about is not being anxious, right? So God knew that anxiety is something that the enemy uses against his children. Fear is something the enemy uses against his children. Depression is something the enemy uses against his children. So God, in my faith, I've, I've been able to utilize the word of God and pray as a place to go and just speak to God. But I also realized that therapy and counseling is something that God has given us as His children, so we have to find a way to utilize what God has also given us. And so, the other thing that's been important for me um, is just being my having my my creative element. Recently, I, I realized that architecture really helps my wellness. Being outdoors. Really helps my wellness. So it's also being able to identify the things that bring you joy and the things that bring you calm and knowing to tap into those things when you need it the most, right? So this has really impacted my business um, completely because, for instance, this month I've been, last month was really stressful for me. And the month of March is always like that because there's so much happening. Um, I traveled last month. Um, to Egypt. I, you know, had a bunch of uh, board meetings that I needed to attend. I had an event that was hosted um in New York City. And all of these things like really took a toll on me because I was on the go. But I knew they were going to take a toll on me. But even then I'm human, right? And I didn't realize how much of a toll they were actually going to take. So come April, I crashed. I had a really bad cold on, when I got back from my trip. And I was just exhausted and drained, you know. And so this month I'm practicing more things of like being still. And this is my month of stillness, which is why I'm doing this podcast for this month. Um, The first thing I hope to do more this month is being more present in the moment and enjoying quiet time. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's true. I need to, you know, really take time away from social media. Sometimes social media sucks us in in such a way that we don't give enough time to ourselves to just take a walk, to just read a book, to just journal, you know? Um, So more and more, I understand the importance of really setting time aside and really having quiet time, whether I'm just writing or speaking to God or, you know, catching up with a friend on the phone, you know? Um... When I was in Cairo, I found myself immersing myself so much in the moment and it felt so good simply because my phone had to be off in most places. As much as I shared one or two things on social media, I tried to be really present in the moment. You know, the next thing for me this month that I plan to do really is to say no and cut back on commitments and not taking anything I put on. I I didn't put on my annual plan. And so, for instance, the other day I was asked to create, uh, curate some content would have been great, but it, I was asked to turn key it in like four days. And I just had to finally say to my colleague who asked me, you know, unfortunately I'm not able to do that at the moment, but I'd like to revisit this hopefully in the next couple of months. And they were understanding. And that came from years of me being in therapy and being able to understand how to communicate what I needed. Right. Um, the last thing is listening to my body and my spirit more this month. And as I said, this is a still month for me. So I'm going slow. Um, you know, I think one of the questions that came up when I asked folks, you know, to send me questions about therapy was how do you balance, you know, everything that you do and still stay present and still be healthy. And that comes with me being intentional and listening to my body and what my spirit is telling me. So if my body is saying to me, Hey, I'm hurting, I'm tired, I'm gonna listen to my body. So, one of the things I've done is to not put too many things on my plate to do per day. So, even if I do just one thing per day for the next two weeks, I'm gonna be okay. And saying no to a lot of like unnecessary kind of meetings or unnecessary kind of phone calls and things like that. And just really being present. And so that's kind of where I am. I wanted to share this journey of wellness and and therapy and I hope it helped a lot of you. Um I hope you found my stories helpful. I hope you found the tips that I shared helpful and the benefits of therapy. Um stay tuned for Um, the next episode, which we, we will be hosting episodes every two weeks. Um, so two episodes a month. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes. Um, share the podcast to people. Let somebody else be blessed by, you know, whatever God is laying on my, on my spirit to share. So thank you so much for those of you who have stuck it through with us and kind of coming along the journey. And again, This is Moyatubanya Kista, and you're listening to Tea and Pepper Soup Podcast. Tea and Pepper Soup can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and via my website, Moyatubanya.com feel free to stop by and subscribe so you can get your tea and pepper soup every two weeks of the month. Leave us reviews, leave us comments. We always appreciate hearing back from all of our listeners worldwide. This is Moyatsu Banyakista and thank you for coming along this journey of Tea and Pepper Soup, the podcast.